No, 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 stop. That's the ending. Get off my board. Yes. Okay. Uh, Zivon did not like it. <laughs> no, just let, just shoot from the hip. Okay. Okay. Hello, and welcome back to Famous Last Words, a filmmaking podcast. A making film podcast? Is this bit tired? I don't know. <laughs> we are a podcast about films. And we have films. We've made films. We're currently working on making more films. And we talk about films and that are already made by yeah. other people. Not us. Not us. We've talked about more films than we'll ever make. Yeah, well, that's fine. I mean, we've talked. It's, we've had sixty some odd podcasts here, so it's hard to make films. It is hard to make films, <laughs> and that's why we appreciate and movies. Them. Oh, and cinema. What is the difference? Who are you? I'm Teresa Alden. I am Andrew Alden. We are married, not related by blood. Not re- though. You know, we <laughs> want to fight those American stereotypes. We are not related by blood. <laughs> um, so no, you want something to say? Oh no, no, go ahead. Um, so uh, we've we had a little recess, a uh, an outing of sorts of the podcast being disappeared from the airways for four weeks, three weeks, four weeks, yeah. five weeks. An extended spring break, except not as fun for me. <laughs> right. So what what what, what you been up to, Teresa? <laughs> well, we took a break because I had to have hip surgery. Even though I'm like not an old woman, you would think I wouldn't need hip surgery, but you know things happen Them's the breaks. life happens so i'm all good now this happened a while ago but we had like a little bit of a backlog stored up um and, and then, then we had a little bit of an intermission then we had an intermission which we were hoping not to do but you know life life happens yeah so. and hopefully you've enjoyed the jumbo episode the hour and a half episode <laughs> with nathan from last week uh we're not talking about what's happened last week we're talking about the future and the future is 1984 with our review because you know you read the title to this episode air 1984 has been a tough year our sales are down our growth is down sonny i brought you in here to grow the basketball business people don't know what the hell a nike is what's a converse nba all-star shoe there's nothing cool about nike you would have to have a pretty compelling pitch. I can tell them the one thing the other So yeah, Air is about uh, Nike's pursuit of Michael Jordan, a, a match made in capitalistic heaven. Um, so that movie, this movie is directed by Ben Affleck and it came out, uh, they'll say last year, but it came out this year, realistically for most people. And the movie stars Matt Damon is the main character, and Jason Bateman and Chris Tucker, and Ben Affleck is in it himself. And uh, Michael Jordan is not in it, and Viola Davis is the like kind of scene stealing supporting role. And the movie is um, interesting, good, good. I don't know. Totally I mean, good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those movies, you know, where it's it's a real life event. So I don't know. Um, you, did, you, did you know the ins and outs of this? Did you know anything? No, I, I did not know the details. Like, I knew the overarching uh, thing that, like, 
Michael Jordan somewhat put Nike on the map because of Air Jordans and that it was a revolutionary deal because he got um, like royalties or whatever. Yeah, the percentage equivalent. of the sales, yeah. yeah. Which was like not done at that time. So that was like kind of all I know or I knew going into it because I don't know a lot about basketball and I don't know a lot about fashion. So, um, but it didn't, I think... The film is a good watch because you don't have to... You can either know the details or not know the details and enjoy it the same. Yeah, I thought this movie was... I feel like the strength of any movie making... business. I mean, I don't know from the business side. It may make more sense to make really big movies. Even if the big movies fail, then you've already made the big movie. But I feel like the mark of a great movie, a great movie making era, era is like the mid-budget, the smaller... Mm-hmm. movie like you know also by ben affleck and matt damon but goodwill hunting is like an example of like mid-range budget 90s movies that are excellent um and i feel like this movie is interesting that it would it's kind of made it's it's from a bygone era it's this mid-budget drama uh mainly intended for adults but also maybe you know sports fans I don't think... I mean, it's too adult for children, mm-hmm. but it's not terribly uninteresting. It's or, like you can watch it with your family and not feel too concerned, except for maybe, like, a couple of profane scenes. Yeah, if, you're, <laughs> if, you're, if your parents, like, get anxious at bullcrap and, and patooties. No. I mean, the agent goes off at one point with oh, no, yeah, yeah, some no, profanity. They, but, like... Yeah. Yeah. But, no, you're right. Like, it's it's sort of an old era kind of film and I think Ben Affleck that's his like that's his zone and I'm happy to have him keep making movies in this zone because I don't for sure mind it and I think he's a good director because it feels somewhat seamless like it's a very well put together film yeah I mean is the mark of a great director someone who you don't see the seams or is the mark of a great director someone who brings your attention to the form and the innovation within I don't know I think it's apples and oranges. Like, there's appreciation for both. Yeah, like, Ron Howard made that shitbox uh, Trump supporter movie, uh, Hillbilly Elegy. But there was no seams. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Ron Howard is a very good director at making movies that don't feel like they have any seams. Ben Affleck is probably more interesting, but he doesn't make interesting directorial choices. But he makes, like, a very well-tailored suit, if, if, you know. To yeah, a metaphor, and know? he casts really well, and his casts work together really well, and I think that's what gives it a little bit of an extra oomph from like your traditional script, you know, formulaic film in a way. Is like this Ben Affleck's films could be very formulaic and like procedural, but I think the way he casts allow for some of that like freedom of spontaneity, and you know, there's a there's a little bit of improv you can tell, like especially with Chris Tucker, like <laughs> yeah, Chris Tucker <laughs> and just, Jason Bateman for sure. Yeah, and I think that's good, and and of course there's the built rapport between Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, which is always fun to see on screen. So I think that's and where those it, really feel like set up, you know, yeah. they're very set up. Like, why would a mid level employee be meeting with the CEO? I guess because they want to spend. Well, they're trying to kill that department too, of or like that. Matt Damon's not department but project head but anyway um, they are set up a little bit because everyone knows that they want to see them go back and forth a lot Um, right but that's what gives Matt like 
Ben Affleck, I think his special sauce as a director is because he can make like really entertaining, somewhat seamless films, but they don't seem boring because, um, you know, he, he casts really well and he utilizes the in the moment kind of mentality about films. Yeah, and I think he's a smart director because he, like, gets out of the way of it. You know what I mean? I will say that if you compare this to Argo, they really don't compare in my mind. I think Argo is a much better made movie. It and did win an Oscar. It did win an Oscar. <laughs> and that's not just saying because it won an Oscar. This movie really is, at times I felt pretty masturbatory in its 80s-ness. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it really wanted to play the songs from the 80s. It really wanted to... Yeah. You know, have these kind of stop the story to have montages of the 80s. It was Uh, like, we get it. We're in the 80s. Move on. Whereas Argo didn't do the same thing. You know what I mean? Argo kept the story going. It didn't have to stop and tell us that it's a period piece. That's true. That's a good point. Um, Not that I'm disliking the movie. I I liked the movie and I I was entertained and I laughed and I had a good time. Nike is a company that's kind of sus overall. Well, yeah. What billion billions and billions dollar corporation isn't sus but yes <laughs> and like they paint portray the whole thing i realize it's a movie i understand like the movie needs to happen so the movie can movie um but you know the ending most people know the ending before it's even gotten there and here's the thing about this movie is it's made out to be david versus the goliath nike mm. has no business being the soccer and the footwear business for basketball players and blah 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 in real life they went in, their initial offer was, was really high. They were always prepared to spend that amount of money. They were always ready to outbid Adidas at the game because they realized where they were in the market. They were all, it was, the story in reality is David versus the Goliath, but it's actually the Goliath just goes super saiyan um, <laughs> and makes billions and billions of dollars off the back of children. Well, that doesn't make a good film. Now, does it? Now, good point, A film about the process of caring so much that you risk your job and the company and all this money at one shoe. One person. He's not just a shoe. And a shoe. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it did a good job. The most arresting moment in the whole movie, and I know a lot of people that listen to our podcast may not be interested in this movie because of the subject matter. Maybe, maybe not. But I think the most arresting moment in the movie is when uh, Matt Damon makes his, like, you know, bottom of the... I'm going to mix sports metaphors. (laughs) His bottom of the ninth, like, give it all I got pitch to Michael Jordan's family. Mm. And it actually kind of proves... It cuts to, like, what happened in real life, which you don't know the sequencing of the moments, but it's a great moment to be like hey, real life, this is a real person. His relationship with his father's complicated because his father was killed, uh, you know, and it's it's mm-hmm. like, you know, greatness stands alone and Nike are the shoes you're wearing when you're great and standing by yourself. Yeah, it, it, it gave you a little bit of the tingly feels when Matt Damon was doing this, the speech and saying, like, you know, you this will live beyond Michael Jordan. Like, this will be his legacy. And, you know, it's a little bit egotistical to, like, presume that at that early stage. So if, like, that really was true, it's kind of amazing that that guy read into the potential of 
Michael Jordan. I'm guessing they just pushed more money to the table than anyone else was willing to ever do in the history, and they were really willing to do the revenue share, and mm-hmm. that was a pretty compelling argument. I think the revenue share was, yeah, the thing. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's all all these kinds of historical, whatever, biopic type things. It's not quite a biopic, but I don't know the word for this. Um, they have to take narrative liberties to make it interesting and you know it, and it does it succeeds in keeping you a little bit suspensed and along with the ride and the journey even though you you pretty much know the outcome unless you are completely oblivious to the whole situation like you know the air jordans exist and that they are this legacy to this day like people right there's vintage air jordans exactly. that like go for millions of dollars yeah yeah so like you know the outcome, but you're still pretty engaged and that there's not a moment where you're just feeling like, well, why am I watching this? Because I know what happens. So job well done in that. And um, <laughs> the only thing, I, I say it's a seamless film, but what I really want to know is like, what the hell happened in that scene in the bar? I think oh, it's with, with Mar- Matt- Marlon Wayans and, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's Matt like- Damon. It's shot so weird. It's in a different movie. It's like, what are we watching? Like, and I, I want to know really. Like, did they run out of time? Was this like a pickup? Was this? It seems like they had more than one camera, and they were in weird spots, and like there's weird focus light issues, and, and like it's handheld. Out of a different, it's a, out of a different movie. And I just want to know the behind the scenes of that scene because was that the second unit? Was that all second unit? It Maybe. feels like a first unit decision. Not though. to blame the second unit or anything. It feels like a weird. They were out. It feels true. They were out of time, and they're mm-hmm. like, "We're shooting this documentary style. We're out of time." Yeah, like I really want to know the behind the scenes of that, as like people who are constantly bumping up against problems with filmmaking because we're so low budget and such a small team. We're always faced with like they, we're out of time. We have to make a quick decision. We have to use two cameras. Like I really want to know on this high budget. High stakes. Yeah, with Ben Affleck as the director, what happened? (laughs) Yeah, so Ben, if you want to come on the podcast, you're more than welcome. Um, Please do. Please do. We have more than that question for you. I love the Red Sox as much as you do. (laughs) Um, So should we move to our mailbag segment? Oh, we have a mailbag? Yeah, yeah. They they packed up. While you were were (laughs) injured, the mailbox was exploding with handwritten notes. (gasps) Well, I was laying in bed, doing nothing, being lazy. I was burning the mail coming into the mailbag segment. <laughs> so you wouldn't make me feel bad? Yes. Uh, from Georgie Constanioso. Constanioso. Um, <clears throat> says, Georgie Constanioso says, I listened to your interview with Nathan Howard. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with Terrence Malick? I find his movies a bit odd and inaccessible. Inaccessible, huh? What movies are they watching, though? It doesn't say. Um, hmm. I'm guessing that they probably saw something from the song to song Night of Cups era. Um, the latter, the latter day Malik. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't, yeah, they're good. They're good. They're, no, they're yeah, they're thing. good. I think that Terrence Malik is a direct. Or maybe they saw the Thin Red Line and were hoping to see Saving Private Ryan. Mm. The Thin Red Line. Bloodline? Did I say Bloodline? The Thin Red Line. You said oh. the Thin Red Line. Okay. Well, I thought the Thin Bloodline, <laughs> um, which is like anemia, I guess. Or incest. 
Right. Not really. The thin, the, the thin bloodline <laughs> is a movie about uh, uh, the Venetian, the Venetian princes. Or, whatever. Moving on. Moving on. Um, I think that uh, Malik is. You know, we we're talking about with Ben Affleck about a director whose seams are like hidden as well as possible. That you don't. He doesn't draw you attention to his form, and one mm. reason why that one scene in the movie really brings you into it. It makes you think about it because it looks bizarre. It just looks like it's not, quote-unquote, not right. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that Terrence Malick is someone who draws attention to his form. Yeah, definitely. In a very, like, look at me, look at me, look at me. Even Even though he's not about ego, it's about, like, the way he shoots and makes his movies is different than anyone else. Yeah, he's more like, I'm making poetry, not in... Not to sound pretentious or anything, but I do think, like, that's the expression of art is more, like, towards the poetry, look at me, or look at this film in a very specific way, have your brain turned on in, like, a very, like, emotional, critical lens, where Ben Affleck films are more towards the form of entertainment, but, like, quality and not, like, reducing that at all. Because it it takes just as much work and effort to make something that people enjoy, that they're along for the ride, and that they don't feel like it's it's cheap at all, but that they don't have to think like, oh, I have to think about this in a poetic sense. So it's just like two different filmmakers completely, but both very good at what they do. Right, right. And I think the thing with a Terrence Malick movie and... and it's ironic that we're talking about Ben Affleck and Terrence Malick in the same episode. Is I think one of the first I saw days we saw days I saw Days of Heaven I saw Tree of Life didn't really register saw Days of Heaven knowing it was a special director and then saw To the Wonder and To the Wonder for me is one of my favorite Terrence Malick movies of all time mm-hmm. and it stars Ben Affleck. Oh right, I did not put that together. I was like, what's the irony? What is it? Oh. Uh, and I think that the thing that Terrence Malick does at his best is these actors kind of disappear into this tapestry of this world that makes you feel like they're everyday people because of the way they're shot. They're shot in like not the most flattering angles, mm-hmm. most of the time with available light or a single source, not you know like single source practical in a scene. You know, like I think of the scenes into the wonder that are shot. I'm guessing with primarily just the light bulb that Ben Affleck is holding in his hand. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. I think of, and I think that what Georgie Constanioso, or whatever is, whatever your name is, sir. Um, <laughs> Not made up at all. No. Um, talk about hot, burn dry attention to the form, Teresa. <laughs> um, I think Terrence Malick is the best way to experience his movies, in my opinion, is to watch them in order. Because mm. he develops, he grows on the same theme from movie to movie. And um, Day- Badlands is a completely different movie than Days of Heaven. Mm-hmm. But their, their DNA is more similar in a way that if you would go from Badlands to Song to Song, you're going to be thrown for a loop. Because I feel mm-hmm. like the, there's the Tree of Life and the movies like it. And that's Tree of Life, Song to Song, To the Wonder... And Knight of Cups, and they're all, to me, live in the same universe of exploration of the cinematic form. So, well said. 
Yeah. So uh, <laughs> the dog is telling us we're out of time here. <laughs> oh, he is. He's our he's our clock. Yeah. So I'm Andrew, and I think you should follow us at Obscure Broadcasting Co. on Instagram. You can bring the music a little higher. Yeah. There you go. Don't uh, tell me how to operate my board. It's our bit. <laughs> I'm Andrew. Thanks for listening. I'm Teresa. Also, thanks for listening. Oh. Also, please subscribe. Pretty please. With sugar on top. <laughs>